Hello and welcome to the Help My Unbelief podcast, the number one Christian podcast designed for the unbeliever. What you doing? How you doing, man? (laughs) You caught me on it, I was focused on it. I was going to, this time I was going to say, what you doing? That's a good one. Tune me in. Yeah. I want to. Last week it kind of that sounds weird. Last week, me, you, I was chewing gum. Drew was chewing. You look like a horse. And then you was or chewing. A cow. Mint. You 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 honestly look like a cow chewing your cud. No, I don't. What is cud? It's what they regurgitate from their stomach and what? rechew their grasses. I do that sometimes. Seriously, yeah, seriously. Yeah, <laughs> I have gerd. I get bored. And I just they have four stomachs. So when they're chewing their cud, they eat, 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 and then they. Rest, they kick it back up and rechew it to fine it, refine it, make it finer, and then it goes into the other stomach. I somehow I don't know how God did that. I just know that He did it. <laughs> yeah. I do know yeah. that the biology tells you they have four stomachs. And the cows sit around and sit there and chew in their cud. Yeah. Don't they have multiple hearts too? No. Well, something has multiple hearts, doesn't it? No. Hold on, I'm going to Google There's that. There's not a critter that I know of that has more than one heart. I don't know, dude. I'm going to Google. I'm going to Google this because I think you're wrong about that. Okay. Um, let's see. What animal? I'm not always right. You can ask my children. They'll tell has you. multiple hearts. What animal has multiple hearts? Octopuses. Octopus actually has more than one heart. It says, you surely know that humans and giraffes have just one heart, as most animals do, but not all. Octopuses and squids, animals called cephalopods, have three hearts. Two hearts pump blood to the gills to take up oxygen, and the other pumps blood around the body. That is just proof that God is incredible in his design and thought process. Really? Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. So, Darcia got you this this visor? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, they offered her a hat or a visor at work, and she said, I'll take the visor. I didn't know you work at Sprouts. How did you, you not, not know, know that? that? What do you mean, how did I not know that? <laughs> said it at the same time. 4,000 times we talked about her working at Sprouts. Really? Yeah. She only works part-time. Yeah. Kind of, sort of. Have you always worked there? Didn't you? Uh, hold on a second. Ever since you've known her. But hold on. I, I could have swore. Let me, um, let, let me say this. You don't swear. So whenever I first came to church here, yes, I remember I remember eating at a restaurant, and I thought I seen. I was like, I think that lady goes to my church, and it was at a restaurant, <laughs> a hamburger restaurant. No, and I could have swore it was you. No way. It's like would... a hamburger restaurant up by um up in the city. No way. So it wasn't you for sure. No way. Okay, well I got it. That wrong. woman would not work in a fast food of, okay. or a restaurant of any sort. The thought of cooking that much food and being over the steam and the heat and all that. No, I'll tell you, that woman couldn't handle it. Okay. Well, <laughs> that, I've thought that this whole time. That's why I guess I thought you worked there because I was like, I'm pretty sure. Because I remember I was like, I was like, I think I, that lady goes to church with me. And then um, and then as I'm going on throughout the year, I was like, I think that was Darcia now that I n- know her. But apparently I need to go back and see if that la- if you have a twin or. No, nope, she does not have a twin. There is only one. Why'd you do it like that? Why'd you say it like that? Why'd you get... To, yeah, she wants to know now, too, and I think you owe her an answer, to be honest with you. 
Because there is only one. But there why are you saying that? There is only one. Are you saying she's crazy? Is no, that what you're saying? No. You're, I, do you hear that he's I, insinuating you're crazy? Don't let him slide that, baby. No, I'm not letting you slide, baby. No, 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 no. God made her completely unique. Right. To, the, like all to the point that there could only be one. But why are you saying because that? You're, being, is, you're dancing no, around no, this, no. man. Because there is such a special relationship between her and God that it, it just... It just amazes me. I mean, it literally amazes me. You're dancing around this. No, I'm not. You're being very vague. No. Very vague. I want to know in detail why you said that. And because your eyes she were is so unique big. In, the, in the Lord. She is unique in her style. She is unique. There is nothing about that woman that is ordinary. Yeah. At all. I believe you. Even her shoe size is weird. What? What yeah, is her shoe she size? She wears like a five and three quarter. Oh, no kidding. Yes. That's crazy. <laughs> he didn't catch that, did he? Yes. Five and three No quarter? kidding. Yes. He's kidding. Oh, you are kidding? They don't make five and three quarter, dude. Well, I, that's what I thought, but I, I don't know. He don't was know. looking up. Do they make five and three quarter? No, no, man. She wears a size six. <laughs> I got to thinking because um, we I gave those pictures of us to Chelsea last week, and I was going to check and see if. Uh, she had uploaded them to the website because yeah, I, I wanted to, to talk about I need about to reach it. out and talk to her. To Chelsea? Mm-hmm. About what? Why not? Oh, I mean, okay. Yeah. Heck yeah. She, I, she's, I guarantee she's listening to this, you know, next week <laughs> or whatever. So, But I, I wanted to look Hi, at Chelsea. the website. Hi, Chelsea. I've been praying Hi, for you, girl. Yep, we all have. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to see if those um, pictures were uploaded yet. Um so everybody could see, you know, the people that listen could go onto the website and see what we look like and stuff like that. Uh, just a forewarning, I'm super handsome and Larry's not. not. Yeah, essentially. <laughs> Dude, I'm 60 years old. I already know I'm not. <laughs> I know I'm not handsome either. I'm just joking. I have to tell I, myself. I'm not I rich. I'm not handsome. I don't have a great job. That doesn't sound like you're being very thankful right apparently now. Apparently, I got a pretty good sense of humor because I won her somehow, and I don't know how I managed to rate yeah. that for this. I kinda, I'm definitely dating up. I'm gonna have to interview her. Up. I'm gonna have to interview her someday on that too. It's it is kind of shocking. Well, I know. I got to interview. her I still on remember that. my first sight of her. The very first time I saw her across the what'd you say in your, room? What'd you say in your head when you saw her? What'd you say? I can't verbalize that. I don't <laughs> talk that say, way. I don't talk that way anymore. You can't say that way. You mm-hmm. can't you can't say that on a children's podcast. This isn't a children's podcast, but it's rated for everyone. Uh, I was in an an establishment I no longer visit. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. There you go. But my first words to her, I actually <laughs> We actually found this patch. At one of the uh, biker um, um, rallies. You know, they have patches. Like, yeah. Like that thing on your hat. But uh, it said the exact thing I asked her. What'd you ask her? Hi, is your name Barbie? Why? Why'd you say that? For me to be able to walk up and talk to her, I knew somebody that similar looked similar to her uh-huh. in high school. Yeah. And her name was Barbie. But you knew it wasn't her? No. 
you knew it wasn't Barbie, and but you went up and talked. See, so you wanted an excuse to go talk to her essentially. The minute I got close enough to focus on her face, I knew it wasn't Barbie. But you're like, I'm going with it anyway. I did anyway. I had to get the doctor. Yeah. Nice. So, let me ask you a question. I'm going to ask you a question. No, I'm really shy. No, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> I'm really bashful. I'm, if, I'm shy and unsure of myself. Now, I know I know we have to live with... No, I'm going to take a more... I'm going to take us to a more serious... A serious place. But I want to ask you this. If you could go back in time, because I know we're, we're all about regrets and everything happens the way they're supposed to, but I know that everybody has one. If you could go back in time and do one thing over, what would you pick? Never walking away from God. Ever? Yeah. Like I mean, you would have been that, straight through? Yeah. That, that's the biggest regret I got. Yeah. It seems like, uh, like Pastor Gary, it seems like he's, um, he's the type that, that um, once he made that commitment to God, he never, he never stopped. Right. Like he never walked away from him. Because you see, like if you think about it, probably more often than not, like probably wouldn't you even say like maybe nine out of ten people walk away from God at some point, or at least walk away from serving him. Well, I don't know statistics, but I think that that's a pretty close assumption. Yeah. I mean, like Pastor Kevin and Pastor Martha never did. Never walked away from God either. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and everything about their meeting, their relationship, the way they were raised, everything never deviated. Yeah. Which is simply amazing to me. I mean, I I, grew up in the church. I grew up with a dad that was a Sunday school superintendent and a mom that was a stay-at-home mom. But still, everyone I knew have walked away from God at some at some point. Even then, so your examples of people like where Pastor Martha and Pastor maybe not, I don't know about Pastor Kevin, but he taught wasn't Pastor Kevin's dad a preacher? No, as well. He was oh, a he, farmer. Oh, he was okay. Well, yeah, big farmer. Um, but um, I don't know. But I guess yet two of his sons are pastors. Oh, really? And. Is it two or going to be three of his chil- uh, grandsons? Grand of that particular yeah. farmer, his grandsons uh, are going to be, yeah, pastors as well. I think it's important that um, some people, because if you have, if all Christians, if all Christians um, just serve God the whole time then those people that do to make the choice to walk away would probably stay walked away because they think that they couldn't come back or whatever, you know? So it's good to have but that If testimony. you ever had a conversation with Kevin or Martha, they're not a holier than now. I've never walked exactly. away from God type people. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, get that vibe from them. Yeah. I get that vibe from them that where they're not, they're not like that. Yeah. Yeah. I find them real warm. Welcome. Gary is man. Yeah, he's I, awesome. he, I love that guy. I yep. mean, and, and Paula, love her. I mean, we've been, because we're on Team El Reno, we've been out in El Reno, and we have had the opportunity, which don't normally happen. I mean, Gary teaches here on Wednesday, and Gary's pastoring up there mm-hmm. on um, Sunday morning. I've never had the opportunity to find out the knowledge and the direction that um, Pastor Martha, uh, Paula has, which is 
Gary's wife. Well, she has 40 years experience, she too. She is unbelievable as yep. a teacher. I mean, I'm learning a whole lot of she's she's in-depth. She's like in the book Sunday smart. school class. Yeah, well, yeah she's but, like I mean, book she's smart. doing a, the Sunday school class. Yeah. And her lessons are like, boom, spot yep. on and amazing. Yeah, she's like, but she knows all the in-depth details and, and knowledge of stuff. And, yeah, she, yeah, she's she very has an studied. eye for that detail, yeah. Yeah, she's very studied, too, um, which is a little different than Pastor Gary. Um, but, I mean, not a whole lot either. I mean, he he's learned a lot from her, I'm sure, as well, and how to um, do that. But, yeah, it's really cool. It's really cool getting to watch Pastor Gary talk about that, too, because um, it shows me, like, that I'm not, I don't feel alone. Because you can ask her sometimes um, whenever I'm, I'm in one of my moments and stuff like that. I tell her I just feel alone. I feel like nobody understands what I'm going through. Like, I feel like people are like, well, just do this and do that. And it's gone. And I'm like, it's not that easy. And I just, I feel alone. And when I, whenever I hear him talk, and which I'm not putting myself on the same level as him. That's why whenever people like say, well, you're a pastor or a preacher or something like that. I'm like, man, I don't feel comfortable putting my, giving myself the same title that those guys have where they've been doing it for 40 years and stuff like that. Not that I, I wouldn't love if God gave me that title, um, but I just don't feel like I've earned it. And maybe I guess you don't and it's given to you anyway. But regardless, um, when I hear him talk about um, the stuff he goes through and that burden and stuff that he feels, I don't feel so, I don't feel so alone anymore, you know. Cause I know, and then when I hear Pastor Kevin talk about it too, like how he uh, almost gets sick before he goes on stage and stuff like that, it's a mm -hmm. tremendous, it's a tremendous burden that he goes through every week. Like he's, it's a, it's a tall task um, to See, do these. The kind amazing of things. thing is because of, man, I don't want to go there. Um, I have, I have had the opportunity to visualize what you're hearing about, and. It is amazing that under against those odds, and even though he's walking in the will of the Father and he's doing God's bidding, he still has to overcome his flesh in a manner that I wouldn't have thought about. You know, I, mm -hmm. I we had to overcome our flesh daily through you know the jealousies and the normal stuff that we go through in in life. Uh, we battle that part of our flesh, uh, the desire to go do something that's not proper, okay, or, yeah. or however you want to do that. But yet a minister that has to step up in front of the, the congregation and give the strength that he has to pour out into the congregation and the conviction that he has to pour out in the congregation, he still has to battle his flesh too. But I never thought about it being a battle in that form. Yeah. In in that way. Everything that like, you have to battle but more. Does that make sense? Like yeah. there's an added element to it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean like it's crazy. When you first asked me to do this, you were concerned I would be, you know, nervous about doing this because I didn't have any experience at it. And I'm real good at ignoring what's going on because I'm not looking out at a crowd. Right. Yeah. I, I don't have those in front of me and I've had the opportunity to speak at the men's conferences and, and, uh, men's classes and I've done presentations in sales. So, you know, I've had that 
small type audience and and i yeah, do you have that kind nervous. of comfortable in that format but like drew blew me away i thought that he would be a little nervous sitting over there and he had he's just natural yeah he did good. <laughs> he did really well mm-hmm. and i was i was surprised but he said yeah no i've, I've given presentations yeah he was kind of laid back about it yeah but when you have somebody that has the calling of the lord to the to the level that ministers do and i'm wondering how many of the mega pastors you know that's up in front of uh, twenty thousand. you know what about those guys do they get nervous about that stuff do they go through issues do they have to pray before i mean like have to pray to have the strength to walk up there let me let me say this i don't think just from my experience and what i what what i do in this i don't think it's a nervousness about the act itself it's about the it's about what like for example for me it's the backlash i know that i'm going to get on certain things it's it's uh, a lot of pressure right because at the end of the day we're we're trying to win souls to God mm-hmm. and your expectations are most likely not going to be met week, week in and week out. And so you're, you're dealing with, am I even doing this? And not to mention, I have a team that I f- have to feel like I'm um, trying to make happy and make sure that everybody's okay and make sure that make sure that I'm doing the right thing because everybody else suffers for it. If I'm not, does that make sense? So it's like, yeah, but at the same time, you don't have a whole cast of uh, prima donnas. Right, yeah. We're all in this together. No, we I know. We are I all know. pushing to go that direction. It's, sometimes it's undue pressure. It's not necessary, you know, but it's stuff that you put on yourself for no reason. But, um, yeah, man, it's um, it's just there's a lot of elements that go into it that maybe even I don't even sit down and think about what all goes into this. Um, but there's a lot of pressure. And most of it, I mean, the easy part is sitting down here and talking on this mic. That's the well. Easy when part. we first started doing this, and you you would bring up numbers that I didn't want to think about. You know, I don't want to think about a hundred a million people talking or hearing me or listening mm-hmm. to me or seeing me or any of that because you know, right? Yeah, I'm not handsome enough to deal with this. Yeah. Well, most likely be on audio anyway. Well, I mean, we, I mean, we might get up to a million on video, but we're well, still a long ways well, away. Well, my from orientation that. skills aren't that great either. Yeah, we're still a long ways away from that. We're still, we're still rookies in this, essentially in this, in this ballville. I mean, we've been blessed with some social media presence. Don't yeah, get me wrong. But, that's amazing. But we're still a long ways away. Well, it's from just getting proof there. that God can use anyone who is willing to step forward. Yeah. And by the way, Mark, we miss you. Yeah, Mark. Mark's yeah. on vacation. He's like doing fun stuff. Yeah, man, he's out on a bike ride. It's so silly. Why would you go do fun stuff in in the place of doing the podcast? It's crazy. I know. <sighs> mm. Do I ever get to take a break? No. <gasps> oh, that's what's cool is like I could take a break and someone could fill in. Seriously, that could happen. Mark could do it. You you see this look on my face? It could happen. No, I was thinking about that. Like, should just because. Why? Um, no, I was thinking about that because like, I was thinking, okay, um, if I had to miss, we, we would have to just shoot a two podcasts in a row or something to, to yeah. get ready for me. Missing I could see or us something. doing that. Yes. But like, I could, I could miss, I could miss. Yeah. I could miss for sure. And just Mark set in or something. I mean, that's all you guys need. All right. Who's going to switch the cameras? Yeah. Uh, she's can't miss and you won't miss without her missing so 
we can't train her. She won't do it. Well, I, I could miss, but then Angela couldn't, yeah. So, yeah, we're going to have to do two in a row. Useless. <laughs> Useless thought. We're going to have to do two in a row. We're okay, not, we're, we're not at 203. We're at 23. Okay, she's ready. Um, so um, I'm going to ask her how to. Um, she, I, she must be from somewhere, uh, a different country, because it says Michaela Nicolelanclo. So she's. I'm going to ask her what that means. I'm so sorry if that's disrespectful. I don't know how to spell it. Um, I'm going to pronounce it good when you tell me, though. Um, but she's a former New Ager. Um, I know she struggled with the, um, the way she lived her life. Like, I know she's posted a couple videos where she has, um, has like, shown pictures. Of her pr- previous, yeah, Nikolenko. But she used to like deal with promiscuity. Um, I mean, she used to show pictures of, her, and she has made a drastic um, change. And she's just serving the Lord, living her life for the Lord. And then, um, but she has a lot of a really cool story. And she has a um, she has like a testimony podcast and stuff. But we'll ask her about all that stuff. So um, let's get there. Let's get her on, um, Michaela. Hello. There she is. Hey, guys. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Not bad at all. Okay. So I tried, I just tried to pronounce your name, and I don't think I did it right. I don't think I did it right. Nikolenko. Okay. That, that definitely wasn't right. Yeah, Nikolenko. That's correct. Wow. Larry, don't roll your eyes like you just, like you just assumed it was right. I said it was right. Okay. You know, yeah. it's Ukrainian, so I'll give you guys a break. Uh, I couldn't pronounce it at first when I first met my husband either, so I totally get it. Oh, so you're not um, you're not for you're not uh, foreign. Are you American, and your husband's Ukrainian? Yes, I'm very very American. I'm from Indiana, um, and my husband, yes, his whole family's from Ukraine. So I got the I got the cool funky last name. Ah, that is cool. Yeah, my my sister's last name is um, from Puerto Rico. It's Ma- Mateyana, so it's super. Oh, cool too. yeah, I'm not trying that, that was word. Part of it. <laughs> she went from Lee to that L E E to that. <laughs> yep, I went from Steiner uh, uh, yeah. to Nicholas. Yep, Steiner as then, in like uh, the Steiner brothers. Oh, good lord! She's not going to know who the Steiner brothers are. Yeah, I I'm so sorry. I I don't know who they are. That's professional wrestling. <laughs> Why would she oh. know that, Larry? <laughs> Why would she know that? Because she's from then, Indiana. They're from Michigan. They were all over that area. Good Lord. I don't even know why we do this sometimes, Michaela. I don't even know why we do this sometimes. <laughs> Help me with your guys' names as well. It's, okay. it's Larry. And- so we, um, this is how the show That's goes. That's the I, important I, one, yes. I, I, skipped, I skipped a little bit of how we don't do the, nor- the normally do the show. So I, I'm going to go around the room and introduce everybody um, here in just a second. And then um, okay. towards the end of the show, what we do is we just have a free conversation, open talk, and I'm going to interview you about your testimony and stuff like that. And then at the end of okay. the show, we're all going to go around the room and we're going to say something in closing. And then because you're our guest, you're going to get the final say at the end. So that's what we that's what we normally do with the people who don't believe in God. Um, and so we just keep that structure for even the people that do believe in God, because I know you um, you're a follower of Christ. So, um, OK, we're going to okay. go in the room. Um, we have um, Mark's not here today. Unfortunately, he's our executive producer. He's on vacation doing fun stuff. Um, this is my wife, Angela. Hello. Hi. 
And then this is my wonderful co-host, Larry. How are you doing today? And then, awesome, awesome. And then I'm I'm Zach. I'm the um, tan. Um, okay, wait a minute. Glowing. Mm. Um, yeah, you do glow a little bit because you got no body here. Yeah. Oh my gosh! He, okay, he, he started. He started lifting weights, so he shaves his arms now. I don't get it. I shave. Well, we'll, we'll go there. <laughs> it's whatever, but it's fine. Like the whole arm? Yeah, I shave everything. Yep. Yeah. Hmm. Well, my husband shaved his armpits, and that was my first hearing that you know guys do that. But I, shaved, I kind of did it. Yeah, I shaved my armpit. armpit. I've been shaving my <laughs> armpits for years. What? Years. Yeah. He said it helps him to not like accumulate sweat. Yes. I don't believe that. Yeah. I, 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 okay. I, At I, I 60 years old, Larry, you got to shave your armpits. I'm not shaving my armpits. No, I'll I do mean, it for you. I have to trim the bush a little bit, but I mean, because what'd you just say? Trim my bush up underneath. My oh, arm. okay. Your armpits. Jesus, dude. <laughs> oh I thought my God. Your, your mind's wrong, dude. dude. That's not even cool. I thought you went there. I was like, I'm going to quit right now. We have it. But how rating. do you keep that from not? Acting like Velcro on a shirt. Oh, so honestly, I used to trim it with like a trimmer, and it would do that. That's why I started shaving it all the way. That's what helps that. Yeah. Mm. No, I got one razor bump or one razor cut, and I, I would be out for life. That's it. I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> when you have to wear deodorant all the time, that's probably something you I don't do. I do wear right? deodorant all the time. Yeah. And you also wear hairspray, so that's a problem, yes. too. So. I, I, I do the spray on... That's crazy, dude. I just stand there. We need we need Mark to keep us on track. That's what we need. Yeah, so. exactly. Hey, I've learned I, so I, much I, about guys already. I, <laughs> she has gotten more out of us in 36 episodes in five minutes. There you go. I am actually excited to, uh, to actually have this conversation with you. I have run across a few of your uh, TikTok clips. Yep. And... I, I promise if it wasn't yesterday, it was the day before. And I thought I really need to send her an invite so that she'll reach out to Zach. And I went, yeah, no, I'm, you know, I'll just hold off and I'll talk to Zach about it. And then he told me that you were coming on today and I'm blown away. I have actually enjoyed your, oh, wow. your uh, clips. So that's, that's uh, interesting considering I am the non-technological advanced person in their room. Okay. I have a smartphone that has a stupid operator. <laughs> so, well, I really appreciate that. And that just says to me that, you know, God was kind of speaking the same thing to you guys. So I'm, I'm very honored to be here as well. I feel like, I feel like, um, I, I can't hardly say this because of how out there my, um, my, our show is, our, the help my unbelief podcast is kind of a, um, it's different than your normal Christian podcast, but I, I feel like I can say your podcast is in a similar lane as mine as well. And that's kind of rare. Yeah. Yeah. No, I could see that. I mean, I definitely couldn't take it to the level that you guys do. Like I realize I'm really good at talking to people who kind of have the same story or similar story as I do. Um, but navigating people with different beliefs, that's such a touchier sort of domain and i don't like you said in one of your recent reels like nobody else is doing that so yeah um yeah i love what you guys are doing as well that's why i said that that's why i said that is because um i felt like 
I I I get I get hate from Christians, right? And I'm used to that. Or you get I'm hate from non-Christians too. Well, now now that I'm I started getting that, and that really bugged me. That's why I put out that statement was because it's like, hey, listen, nobody else is, no other Christian is is going out here and doing yeah. the things that that we're doing and putting ourselves. Michelle, um, I'm, I'm Michaela. I'm sorry. We literally had to re now listen god did it because our equipment failed but we literally came in here last week and shot this most recent week's podcast and we did not handle it very well and luckily this has never happened in the 36 weeks that we've been doing this this has never happened but we lost both the recording and the backup recording to that show wow and it was literally the worst the worst um we had ever um, we weren't rude to him or anything, but we just didn't do what help my unbelief does. We did not interview him the way yeah. that um, we, we went into arguing with them and doing that. And mm -hmm. it was like, God was like, nope, this is not how my show is going to go. His show. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so. Yeah. Intervention. <laughs> yeah. And so we had to end up coming back up here on a Friday evening and reshooting that show over again. And it was like God giving us a second opportunity to do what he has wow. called us to do. Well, he, and he also brought in a puzzle piece that we needed to help complete that yep. by bringing in a new Christian yep. that had a, a, a almost mirror image of the young man that we were um, interviewing. Yeah, we were interviewing. Only, only this kid, and I can say kid because everybody has one. But uh, this one, this one's thirty three, and he's already been where that nineteen year old was, uh. and, and has seen that side of where that takes you, and then stepped in and uh, found the Lord about four months ago here at this church. Yep, and so it was just amazing. Yep it it truly makes you realize how little we have to do with this whole thing oh i know it's yeah we definitely submit the control to god each time we do the podcast but it is yeah. amazing when we get off track god yep. has this wonderful way of bringing it back yep yep wow so and that takes the pressure off of any of us to have to perform or be good enough or any of those things just remembering you know that it is in his hands and he will destroy the clips if it's not a good fit yeah. Amen. So bef before I forget, I want you to plug your show. You're from the Raised and Redeemed podcast, right? Um, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, it's actually really interesting. A big part of my testimony is just like how much God redeemed like every part of my life. Um, and so I had started a YouTube channel a few years back when I first was getting into the new age. And it started as a yoga channel, actually. And on here, I was sharing all these kind of new age teachings, you know, yoga practices, meditations. Then I started outright, like blatantly speaking against the church and the patriarchy and like all these things. Um, so that was my YouTube channel for a couple of years. And it really, like God did not let that thing grow. Like as much as I worked on it, as consistent as I was, as hard as I, you know, worked on it, it just was not growing. Right. So time goes on and, you know, I find the Lord and I ended up taking about a year break of, you know, making content or doing anything. I was just really trying to figure out God, you know, for myself. And next thing I know, he's like placing these messages on my heart again to start making content. So I started making YouTube videos again. 
And I'd always wanted to start a podcast. I just hadn't really gotten the green light um, from God yet to sort of go into that domain. And then one day I just, I don't know, I feel like he just gave me like the A-OK. And I started it so messy. I did not even have like a normal podcast intro episode. I just took the audio from one of my YouTube videos and made that episode one. And I just started, I just got going. And uh, over time, I began to realize, like, I really can't do this on my own. Like, I want to have conversations with people and make this bigger than just myself. And so I started having on other people who had just been saved as well to share their testimony. And now I'm 54 episodes later, it's grown into the Raised and Redeemed podcast. Yeah, where it's how often do you shoot them? How often do I shoot them? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I have episodes every week, but I did just take a little break for the summer to kind of I saw that get more clear about my intention going forward for the next season, and because I didn't do that when I started, you know, I just extracted the audio. Let's get going. Let's do it. So I, I really now that it is starting to grow, I wanted to take a step back and just talk to God about, you know, what is the direction of this thing now, now that I am seeing it start to pick up. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I saw you, I saw you had taken a break and I think I saw that video after I asked you and I was like, God, I hope I'm not interrupting her break because I know how important it is. Oh no. Yeah, Yeah. no, not at all. I was taking a break from publishing and editing and producing all my own stuff. This I this do that being too. on somebody else's podcast is fun. <laughs> I listen. If anybody can identify with you, it's me. Like I do, I all the clips you see, I do, um, all the editing of the show, I do. Um, yeah. And it's it really is, especially if you do video, it's very time consuming. Oh yeah, so much because there's the the YouTube, the podcast, the clips, the reels, the TikToks, all the platforms. Yeah, it's so yeah. much. <laughs> I honestly. Um, Honestly, I've, I've thought about um, farming out the clips or something, but we just, I just can't afford it yet. I just, it doesn't make sense for me yeah. to, to do that yet, but um, we'll get there eventually. And we don't really have a big yep. fo- following on our, on our YouTube. It's just, I put it out there for those people that want to, that want to watch it. Like me. Instead of listening to it. Yeah. Like Larry's one of the, <laughs> Larry listens to those. Yes. Even when I listen yeah. to it, I watch it. After I edit my show, I will never listen to it again. That's how done with it I am. Yeah, me too. Because you've listened to it numerous times at that point, yeah. trying to, you know, get it good. So yeah. I feel that. I'm done. I'm done with it. Yeah, but <laughs> see, that's the whole thing. All I have to do is talk. Yeah. Yeah, Larry, you've got it good. Yeah, I know. I don't know any of that stuff. He could be some, like, stuff. computer guru, and he's pretending dumb just so he doesn't have to do work. Sweetheart. Uh-huh. Not uh-huh. you. I, not you, my wife. Am I technological savvy? I believe you as a no. joke. Considering okay. how many times you've had to fix my phone, I know. Okay, I have to send in his. Um, I have to send in his invoices for his lawnmower company to get paid. <laughs> to send- oh my goodness! Yeah. Yeah. you guys uh, are a team. It, it's yep. taken me forever to figure that thing out. Yep. I was like every month he's speaking like, I've of, got to get speaking paid. Speaking of these. the end of the month is coming up. <laughs> I know. I, I got you, buddy. It's okay. All right. Um, I have a question. What's your age, Michaela? Uh yeah, I'm 25. Oh, that's a pin clicker. He, but she's for the Lord. When we're yeah, you don't have to click your pin because she's a Christian, right? Yeah. 
Okay. Well, what's, what's Nor- that mean? So, he, uh, what was it like five or six episodes ago? We <laughs> were interviewing an unbeliever, and um, and Larry, in the middle of the interview, he asked him how old he was, and he said like twenty two, and then Larry clicked his pin with. with well, here's here's what I uh, here's what I found. Okay, and and they're gonna beat me up for this, and that's okay because I don't pay attention when you beat me up. I'm not listening. Yeah, I I get it. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, Zach Zach absorbs all of that stuff for me. Um. It is amazing to me, and I have met some extremely intelligent people, okay? I have. I have I have also met some people who think they're intelligent. Mm-hmm. And a lot mm-hmm. of the time, it is that group of 25 and under that think they're a whole lot smarter than they are. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And part of the problem is that they may have book smart. But they have no experience. Yes. Um, yeah. I don't have book smart, and I've got more experience than I need. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I won't disagree with you. Uh, it was college that actually, you know, inflated my ego and my head so much, and that's kind of where I, you know, majorly stepped away from the church because I thought I knew everything and got really into, you know, the intellectualism and feminism and all those things. So. I feel you. And now I see other, you know, young 20 somethings kind of going through that same sort of rebellion period. And I'm like, you'll grow out of it. Just give it some time. <laughs> Do you think, um, uh, we've talked we've asked this question on the last two podcasts now, I think. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to ask your opinion on it. Do you think, um, do you think the college experience itself directly contributed, contributed to you falling away from the Lord? Oh yeah. But I went to a very, liberal university so i went to indiana university and so there's a lot of liberal feminist um teachings that kind of go on there and so i think depending on the college that you go to like obviously if somebody goes to you know a more conservative christian university it's going to be different but for my experience going to a big 10 you know more worldly um with the cultural agenda kind of universities yeah it definitely was a big part of me stepping away from the Lord. Well, I could agree. Even, um, I'm not college educated. I got educated by life. Uh, at 11 days after I turned 18, I got married for the first time. Not a good suggestion. That shows how stupid I was at 18. Um, (laughs) of course I do have two daughters out of that marriage that I love. So, you know, there, there you go on that. But all in all, like the difference between I, uh, Indiana University and Berkeley. Even in the 60s, Berkeley had the uh, reputation of leading you away from the church where mm. a lot of the other colleges didn't. A lot of people forget that uh, Harvard and uh, what's the other big one? Yale. Oxford. Oxford. No, okay. there's another one up there. Uh, Harvard, Harvard. Okay, those were twice. based on biblical principles mm. to start with. Mm-hmm. And now I'm, I'm, I would be surprised if you could find somebody that would allow the Bible in. There. Yeah, yeah. You know, and yeah. it has, it has been the downfall is the education system in itself trying to, and this is what I've heard a lot lately. So you'll have to bear with me, but this uh, critical mm-hmm. thinking process and i got to talking to my wife about this just the other day and i realized my brother who we interviewed in episode 
five or six, yeah, is an agnostic. We were raised in the same house by the same parents. Mm-hmm. But he became agnostic. He went to college. Mm-hmm. I didn't. And I never doubted yeah. there was a God. Because the way I was raised, there is no doubt there is a God. See, Michaela, me, um, the reason why I'm saying this is because I feel like I have to eat a little crow because me and Larry walked into a CPA office like, I you're, don't know, four or five. You're going to bring that one up again. <laughs> yeah, like four or five months ago. And um, we there's this girl at the desk, um, and uh, we started explaining what our podcast was about, about how we were trying to make a, you know, a podcast designed for an unbeliever a person you know to where an unbeliever feels comfortable and stuff like that and she goes oh that's cool um that because i'm an agnostic and larry started saying you know why you're agnostic is because college and blah 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 and all this other stuff and we <laughs> and we got out of there and i said larry no i one of those where zach smacks larry's hands larry no 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 we don't uh... talk, we don't talk to people we don't talk to unbelievers like that that's not good and then i i left there thinking um i, I left there thinking is college doing this? And I didn't think so. And I told him, I don't think college is yeah. converting people or away from Christ. And then now the more that we look into it and talk to people, it looks like that might be a, um, a huge contributing factor. Yeah. And the sad, oh, yeah. the sad thing is it's starting to go into more of the high schools and junior highs and now yeah. even the elementary school where they are promoting stuff that, oh man, goodness, even the college kids shouldn't be actually reading. Yeah. 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 Um, I actually, so on the 4th of July, I go to a a pretty big church out here in Florida. Uh, I go to Christ Fellowship. And so on the 4th of July, our pastor, Pastor Todd, he broke down the fact that, you know, our nation was rooted in in God and in biblical principles, because many people make the argument, you know, that um, the settlers came here and they were trying to get away from God and were supposed to be free from God here and all these things. But he was breaking it down how God was so integrated into our school systems. Um, you know, the Ten Commandments were taught. All mm-hmm. these things were where God was just at the root of this. And over time, He broke it down. You know, like in the '60s and the '80s, just this step-by-step process of God being removed from the school systems. Like, oh, now you're not allowed to pray in school anymore. Oh, now you're not allowed to do to teach the Ten Commandments anymore because it's quote unquote harmful to the students and So he broke down the statistics, too, of what the primary concerns of teachers were uh, back when God was still, you know, allowed to be taught in school. Their primary concerns was chewing gum, talking out of turn, running in the hallways. He's like, now the primary concern is school shootings, violence, suicide, all of these things. And this there's a direct correlation with God being removed from the school systems and yeah, like you said, it starts it starts even earlier than college now. I remember whenever I was a kid in school, um, and this is, I'm quite a bit older than you, Michaela, but I remember when it switched. Because I remember we used to, mm-hmm. we used to pray. We used to say the Pledge of the Allegiance. Wow. And then I remember whenever I got into high school, I remember when it changed. I remember the message wasn't anymore, <laughs> let's take a moment to say our prayers or whatever. It was let's yeah. let's um, take a moment to pray, meditate, or engage in other silent activities. Where it had switched <laughs> to become more political to involve everyone. Where somebody, you know, where yeah. it started, that started to get more. That's whenever we started trying to remove God out of there. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? 
Yeah. Wow. It's crazy that you like, you know, you lived that and you can recall uh, going through that transition. Yeah. I remember, I remember when it switched, it used to be normal to pray. And then it came to a moment where it it wasn't allowed anymore. When I was in elementary school, you had the morning prayer and you said the prayer, uh, the pledge of allegiance every morning. And then when you went to lunch, you sit, you know, and I'm talking about first, second grade, you sit at the, uh, at the table and they, you bowed your head. If you didn't, mm. you know, nobody prayed out loud basically, but that time was given to pray over your food. Now I yeah. was raised in church, so I, I, you know, lowered my head and, and I prayed quietly in my, in my mind. Right. Yeah. But I didn't look up to see if everybody else did. I just assumed everybody did. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Michaela, I want to get into your testimony before we run out of time. Um, so you, um, Larry, we, we interviewed a person that kind of dabbled in new age before, but you were, you were actually deep in the new age. And, and if you were, can you yeah. explain to us what that is? Yeah. What is new age? Yeah. New age is essentially, there's nothing new about it. It's just modern day paganism with a new fun sparkly cultural twist on it because that's what Satan does, right? Like he doesn't make anything new. He just counterfeits what God already made and he just finds a way to make it more appealing uh, each generation. So new age is, yeah, it's exactly that. Just modern day paganism. So you do a lot of the sort of witchcraft, divination. Um, I guess I could start with my testimony of like what that sort of looked like getting into it because it was a very slippery slope where one door just kind of opened the next and so on. Please do. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So I guess I'll go back to college, you know, studying all about feminist perspectives on everything and starting to reject the church and the patriarchy and all this stuff. And at the same time, though, I was I was deeply broken, as most people who get into the new age are like. And everybody, like all humans, were deeply broken. Um, and we all were designed to seek our creator. Um, but before you're willing to accept, you know, that that's Jesus and you have to um, get rid of your sins, you, you kind of look for loopholes uh, to do that. So that's basically what I did. Um, so I guess I'll say, you know, as soon as I was done, like, n- mindlessly coping, because I used to do a lot of partying, drugs, sleeping around, all this stuff. And I realized, like, okay, this clearly isn't going to fill the void. So I did try church. You know, I went to church here and there. But at the same time, uh, yoga came into my awareness. Veganism came into my awareness. Like, all these other kind of ideas started to come into my mind as something that might be able to bring me some relief and, and heal me. You know, I was going through, like, I had acne. I had emotional wounds. I had all this stuff. So I was looking for healing. Um, so it's crazy because both God and Satan knew that I was seeking and, you know, God was pursuing me, but so was Satan. And at this point I was more so willing to buy what Satan was selling me because I still wanted to live in my sin, right? Like I wanted God, but I still wanted my sin. So the new age way felt better to me at that time. So, you know, I tried to heal myself with the yoga. I got really big into that. Um, can and you, I, hate to, uh, I hate to interrupt you, but I've always I've always wondered this, and I've never looked into it myself. But I always hear that um, yoga is evil, and it's there's a lot of dark yeah. spirits connected to it. Can you explain why? Well, it is rooted in in Hinduism. So, 
Um, you know, I don't think stretching itself is bad. Uh, so I still do a lot of the similar sort of stretches because, you know, God, God gave us stretching, but yoga is the Hindu rooted version. Um, and so, you know, when you get into those communities a little bit deeper, you, you kind of see what happens. Um, because when I went to my yoga teacher training, that's where, you know, I started meeting witches and people who had tarot cards. And there's an ideology that comes with yoga, if that makes sense. Uh-huh. And, and that's all connected into the new age. You know, the people that are telling you namaste and uh, talking about the universe, it comes with a community um, of people. And they, they sort of share a similar ideology, whether they realize it's rooted in Hinduism or not. Because there's, of course, a, an American twist on it now. So it's not it's not necessarily the movements then. It's just, it's the community yeah. and what, what goes on behind it, what drives it. Yeah, some people make the argument that certain poses are representative of, you know, different worship poses to certain Hindu gods and goddesses, uh-huh. a.k.a. demons. Um, but I, I don't know. I never looked into it that deeply. I can just tell by my life experience of where getting into yoga led me. Yeah. Yeah. And I, like, I know, I know this, I know I have the Holy spirit living inside me. And I know if I started doing something I, that God didn't want me to do, I know that he would convict me of it. Yeah. I know that. Yeah. So what I'm seeing is it's pretty basically just the old age thing of rebranding or repackaging. If I can repackage yes. this, it, it'll draw new buyers to it. Yeah. And, yes. and it, but, Yet once you start removing the uh, layers of the onion, if you so, if you can uh, understand that, you find out that at the core it is still just Satan. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yep. Okay, and so uh, yeah. will you continue? Go ahead and continue with your um, testimony, though. So you were um, you were practicing in this. Um, new age and you started to, you started to go to church a little bit. You were trying to fill the void. Um, then what was going on? Yeah. So then I met a guy and decided I was going to move to Arizona and, um, there ended up being, so this is how I got into my yoga teacher training because there's this super spiritual school that was right down the road from where we lived in Arizona. And I remember at this point I started reading books like, uh, you are a badass by Jen Sincero and all these sort of help, uh, self-help books, um, where they talk about the universe has your back. And, uh, yeah, there was Gabby Bernstein, just all these, you know, new age guru teachers and self-help books. So at this point I'm like, Oh my gosh, like the universe led me to exactly this apartment. I'm supposed to go to this, uh, super spiritual school. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I, I guess I'll start with yoga since I have a background in yoga. Um, so I started going to this school and like I said, that's where, uh, tarot cards were around me for the first time. And, you know, I just kind of thought they were sparkly, pretty, you know, I thought, okay, this is a cool way to connect with the spirit world. Like I'll try it. Um, and the next thing I know, like I said, there's like witches in my, in my class and they're inviting me to their, like their healing circle. So then I start going to these like weird houses where, um, they're like ran by these, you know, older witches who, and they have like all the gods and goddesses pictured on the walls, the icons and they're covered. And you sit in, yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. Um, and they will, they, they don't hide the fact that it's a coven either. They'll say it, you know, like 
they call themselves witches and they're proud of that, but they just don't get that what they're connecting with is the demonic. They think that they're connecting with, you know, sort of neutral spirituality. That's the one thing um, I've noticed. And I haven't had a witch on in a, in a while. I don't know. I haven't been able to find one to come on, but that's one thing I've noticed is the consistent theme is that, um, you know, that there are such thing as um, bad, bad spirits, but m- most of yes. them are neutral. Yeah. 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 That's what they think. And um, yeah, everything just kind of is like, and you know, some of them, some people in the new age do believe that there are bad spirits, but they believe that if you let them in, you just didn't do the right like ritual to protect yourself. Yeah. Um, yep. You didn't you protect know, yourself you good enough. To. Yeah. We've heard that over and over. Yep. Yeah. Yep, me too. I get a lot of people comment on my stuff on social media. So I know the arguments, you know, but I lived it. So I, I have the experience to sort of speak on that and where this led me. And so, you know, they call it like they're white witches, like yep. white witches are, you're trying to do this for the good of yourself, for the good of humanity. Like you're trying to heal, you're trying to heal with each other, like all the rituals that you're doing, um, you know, between the mixing of herbs and the burning of different incense and, you know, putting your blood on the earth and like all these Ooh. things are meant to heal you. Yeah. Yeah. I got into even weirder stuff than this because like I said, one door opens the next. Um, and there was this lady who was the main teacher at my yoga teacher training. And I was just enthralled by her because at that point I was a super broken, insecure, acne faced girl who, you know, I was abused as a child. I didn't, I didn't know my worth or anything. So then when I see this woman who comes in and she's like, you are a goddess, I am a goddess. And she just had this like powerful energy. I was like, I want to be like her. Yeah. So I started following her um, to all of her different, you know, workshops and uh, weekend retreats. And it got deeper and darker. Um, I don't know if you guys have heard of ISTA. Uh, no, what is that? Like, so it stands for International School of of Temple Arts or something like this, but it's basically like sex magic. Um, and Aleister Crowley, the the founder of Satanism, he used to practice this as well. Uh, so, I, but I, I didn't know see, that. Um, so I don't think this is what you're talking about. But um, there was a uh, on TikTok recently. I saw an ad for a like satanic museum or something and they're like if you want to explore satanic roots um come visit this beautiful museum and it's just like a mm-hmm. normal like tourist like tourist um commercial that was like and it okay. was but it was satanic they were like promoting satan- yeah. satanism just some r- normal looking dude just making it normal now. yeah normal looking dude yeah. that had like a comb over and, and a bow tie and was talking yep. about, well, if you want to, you know, have you said, if you ever went next time you're in New York, stop by the Smithsonian yeah. or whatever. Like, that's what they were oh doing. Oh, my that. God. And you honestly remembered that the guy doing the commercial had a comb over. Okay, so <laughs> let me explain something. I don't, I don't remember exactly what the dude looked like, but I'm just, I'm trying to paint a picture that he was very normal looking, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Come over is normal. So, okay. Yeah, I don't think it's what you're talking about, but, but like it, it was an organization that that um, runs these things or something. But okay, go ahead. You were talking about ISTA, though. Yeah, you you um, so you begin to idolize this particular leader. Right? Yes. Yeah. 
Yep. She was my guru and I, I loved her. Like I was doing everything she was saying. Uh, but to kind of note on the, the Satanism real quick, I even got to the point in my beliefs with this where like new agers, a lot of times will sympathize with Satan and you come up with these different, like there's these different Gnostic teachings that, you know, he was the son that was uh, not good enough that he got rejected from heaven. And I got to the point where I even started to think that, you know, Satan was just misunderstood and he was actually a good guy. And Oh my gosh. Like I was so, I was so deceived in all these teachings, but hold on, to go back to the, hold on. I'm so yeah. sorry. I'm on the international school of temple arts website right now. And I've got to tell you this. So okay. they have these different packages that you can select. And it has like right here is there's ISTA trainings. And it's showing right here. Yeah. Level one, you have you can have a spiritual, sexual, shamanic experience. If you are ready uh-huh. to if you are ready to transform your life, this experiential seven or eight day training is for you. Level one's level one SSS sex focuses on allowing you through clear consciousness the integration of all aspects of being mind, body, sexuality, emotions, and spirit. And you can go all the way up to um, the ISTA level two and then ISTA PT, which is you can be a trainer in this. Yeah. Yeah. Good grief. So thank you for reading that. I'm glad I got the school name right because I was like, as I was saying it, I'm like, it's been a while, but I think that's what it's called. That's 100% the right one. Yeah, yeah, and it has like um they they have uh, on the website it has um you you know you also have a docile over the International Safe Transit Association you have that that's the more that's the normal one <laughs> no, mm-hmm. no but then this website yeah it's uh and it has, I mean they have um pagan symbols on their yep. wrists and everything and naked it, women yeah 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 so you know basically whatever I'm doing I'm all in. So, you know, when I was in the new age, I'm fully doing to the max of what I'm going to do. Like, you know, I'm fully going to explore the depths of this thing. So I went all the way, you know, into even teachings like this. And, um, you know, this started to make me think that, you know, I, I saw sexuality as something that was sacred and, you know, a healing energy, uh, you know, that you can create things with and you can manifest with this sexual energy and heal yourself with this sexual energy. And it was the same kind of covens. Like if you see on those images, it's a bunch of naked people coming together and yeah. you basically share about your traumas and you like do weird things together. And, you know, it's like, it got, it got really creepy. And I was, I was pretty much, um, this, this leader, I was her second in command where like I would help her do the videography for everything. I was on her website as like one of the instructors. It got really, it got really dark. And because this was all sort of being desensitized for me, this is what ended up leading me back into the strip club again, because I was like, oh, this is just a part of healing myself um, and taking my power back. You know, that whole like, uh, pretty much all these like radical liberal movements of you got to take your power back. Like this was, this was me um, at that point with the feminist sort of ideology. So I was like, I'm going to go back into the club um, because I had done it when I was 18 and I was lost in drugs and parties. But now as a, I think 21, 20, I was 20, somewhere around my very early twenties. I was like, okay, I'm going to go back into the club, but this time it's going to be a part of healing myself because now I have this sort of spiritual belief system uh, that aligned with that. Yeah. Wow. So basically, you lied to yourself. 
Yeah. Yes. And, you know, I told myself because it was for healing, I could go in and I could be sober and, and dance and do this sort of stuff. Um, and it would be a way to teach me confidence and like how to be the goddess and all these things. But because I was lying to myself, it didn't take long before I was doing drugs and drinking all the time again. Uh, because you have to, you have to numb and cope with the sort of things like when you're selling your soul at such a deep level, that's why most people in the adult entertainment industry, you know, are always strung out on drugs or alcohol because that's the only way you can like sort of live with yourself is yeah. to be numb to yeah. what you're doing. So I want to ask you this. So looking back or maybe even at the time, I want you to name, uh, tell us one of the dar- the darkest thing that you ever saw where you're like, oh, wow, this isn't what I thought it was. This is actually demonic. Do you remember one yeah. specific thing that pops out in your head? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I love that you asked that question because that's really the climatic part of my testimony was seeing the demonic. It took me seeing the demonic to realize it was real and, um, you know, that I needed Jesus. So just to kind of give a little like prelude that I had done lots of psychedelics and seen lots of sort of weird spiritual chaotic entities before but I I was never afraid of them I just thought you know this is like a restless uh weird spirit um but it wasn't scary enough to really shake me um so I'd seen stuff like I said when I was under the influence of psychedelics and different things like this so when I was at the club I ended up meeting this man and he claimed to be a Christian man, but he was definitely a backslidden Christian because he was married and uh, coming into the club, obviously. Right. So we started a whole relationship and this was like the ultimate toxic relationship in my life. But because I grew up, you know, experiencing abuse and all these things, I kind of equated that chaos to being love. I'm like, oh, the highs and lows, like this is what love is supposed to be like. Like this makes me feel alive, all these things. And I also was of the spiritual belief system that I need to take my power back and all these things. So I was just living very selfishly um, for myself. And uh, I didn't really care, you know, that he was married. And I believed sort of what he said, too, that they were separated because I had been engaged and uh, I knew I was leaving that relationship. So I kind of believed him, too. when he said that, you know, they were married but separated, I was like, right, like it happens, whatever. Um, so we carried on with our relationship for like eight months and because he was a Christian, even though he was backslidden, we had lots of debates about spirituality, um, versus Christianity. Uh, well, not that, not that Christianity can't be spiritual, but you know, my belief system versus his, and he would always tell me, you know, that he needed Jesus or else he'd be way worse. Um, he's like, you know, like I'm pretty bad now, but if I didn't have Jesus, it'd be way worse. And. I sort of understood his belief system, um, and I kind of started to read the Bible again, but this time just for him, because I was like, okay, I want to, like, give it a chance. I give every other religion a chance. I read all the other religious books. I might as well read the Bible from time to time, too. And God started to speak to me about sexual sin. That was one of the first things he started to speak to me about that made me just feel so convicted was the sexual sin, and the second part was the fact that he would be coming again, like he would return and there would be judgment and he was coming back soon. And I just like started to believe these things in my core. As much as I rejected Christianity, it's just, it felt so real to me. 
Um, but I still wasn't willing. So you were kind of, uh, so you were rejecting Christianity, but he had revealed those like two concepts to you and you, and you hung on to those two. Yeah. Well, that's cool. That's really cool. Yeah. Those are the first sort of things that began to, I don't know. I couldn't explain it. It was a very supernatural thing that I just like. Yeah. That's that's why I'm saying it's cool is because it's like, um, God was easing you into your purpose. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like he, yeah, couldn't, he couldn't overload. He couldn't give you more than, you know, that when he says he's not going to give you more than he, he can handle. I think that's what that kind mm-hmm. of kind of means in that situation was that like um, he was easing you into your purpose. He, you weren't ready for to uh, understand all the concepts. So, yeah, exactly. Cool. And I wasn't ready to give my life yet at that point either. I wasn't ready to fully surrender. Right. Um, but I carried on this relationship with this man. We were in a relationship for like eight months. And every time we met up, we would, you know, book a hotel, like almost down by the border of Mexico. We were so, cause you know, that's just where we were for his, what he did for work. And this one day we were completely sober and this is leading up to the most scary thing I'd ever seen. And I have to preface it with saying I was completely sober because that's what really made this as impactful as it was for me. Um, so we had been talking a lot about, um, We'd been talking a lot about purpose and things like this, and we were going to take our relationship to the next level. And we were talking about getting a house and, you know, me leaving the strip club and like, you know, settling down and stuff like this. And I was, you know, somewhat excited about that. We went out for dinner, came back, and we're standing in the hotel room. And I began to just feel like very insecure and anxious. It was almost like a spirit of, of fear, like just entered the room and I could feel it. But at that point I didn't know. I thought, I thought I was just being insecure and weird. Cause like maybe I had a breakout or something, you know, that's, that's how, how deep I saw it at that time. Um, yeah. And he was like, he was like, what's wrong? Like what's going on with you? And I was like, I don't know. I just feel off. And so he, he dimmed the lights way down and he comes over to me and he's like sitting on the bed looking at me. And he just like, you know, trying to comfort me, tell me it's okay, I'm beautiful, like all these things. And we're just sitting there looking at each other. And as I'm looking at him, his face begins to morph. And his eyes are going way out past his head and then back in and then up and down. And I'm looking at him and I just don't even know, like, I don't even know what's going on. Like, you know, I'm like petrified at this point. I can't even speak words. Um, And then he gets a little closer to me and I see his, nose turn into a snout and his eyes turn into a gorilla and his face just starts like morphing into these deeper darker like entities and I look at him yeah and I all I could say is like I see a beast in you this is all I could gather myself to say and he just said I know I see the same in you what and I don't know yeah and so I don't know like if he really did if it was mirroring itself back to him or if this was like a defense mechanism, I don't know what it was, but he grabs my hands and he gets up on his knees and he squeezes his eyes shut and he just starts breathing really, really hard. And I can tell like, this is his battle. This is his battle. And he always used to tell me, cause I was still, you know, a party girl and all these things. And he would always tell me like, you've awoken my demons. Like you've, you've brought this big demon back that like hasn't been awoken in a long time. Like he would tell me stuff like this because of the stuff I was I was doing, but I never put two and two together that, you know, the fact that he really was in bondage 
to this demon that was living through him via his sin. Um, oh my gosh. So he's sitting here battling this demon, breathing so hard. And I'm looking up at him, just squeezing his hands, watching him go through this. And, you know, as a Christian looking back to him, like you'd think he'd call out to Jesus or something, but no, he's just, he's fighting this on his own. And the demon begins to cast this like illusion, this, you know, like when you see in the spirit, it's like this translucent sort of layer. And I saw this layer over his face and it looked like he was being strangled. I saw his face turning purple. I saw his eyes bulging out of his head, but I knew it wasn't really happening to his flesh. I knew this was happening in the spirit. And at the same time, I'm feeling myself going back to like how God first began to speak to me about sexual sin. I'm feeling like all my womanly areas feel unsafe, like very unsafe. Like this demon wanted me for those things. Oh my, oh my gosh. Does this, yeah. does this so, telling this like make you uncomfortable? Like you, it takes you back to the moment that, that you felt all this stuff. You saw all this stuff. You know what? I can tell it pretty emotionless at this point because I've told my story so much, um, which, you know, makes me worry sometimes. I'm like, I hope I can still tell it with the impact because I've truly healed a lot from, from this happening um, because I have shared my testimony so much. So no, I don't, I'm not uncomfortable sharing it. Okay. I could just sense the, like, I, I'm just like, man, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I, I have so many of uh, opinions on this already. So I want you to finish it so I can, so I can okay. tell you, but yeah, go ahead. He's jumping yeah, at the I, bit. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I get it. Cause this is, I had so many interpretations after this happened. So basically the spirit kind of lets up from the room and we're just like out of breath looking at each other. Like what the heck was that? Like what's going on? And hours go by, just hours, hours, hours. It's going on like three, four o'clock in the morning. We can't sleep because obviously like the craziest thing that's ever happened to either of us just happened. And I asked him, I'm like, can you please pray for us? Because I, I just feel so unsafe. Like, I just feel like it's in the room. You're like, you're a Christian, you pray. <laughs> and so he prays and I still feel this demon in the room. Like I still feel it even after he prayed and and I remember when I was young having these like demonic sleep prowess encounters where demons would like, like communicate with me telepathically. And this started to happen where this demon that was still present told me, you're not going to pray. Who are you to pray? You're not even a Christian. You, you blaspheme Jesus all the time. Like, why would you pray? And just the louder this voice got, the more aggressive it got. I knew that I had to pray as much as like, you know, I was not a Christian. I didn't even believe in Jesus at the point. At that point, I knew I had to pray. So literally with just tears streaming down my face, I was so humbled in that moment. I cried out to Jesus and I said, please, Jesus, just come into this room. Please protect us. You know, allow us to go to sleep. Um, and so, you know, I ended up finding enough peace to at least fall asleep that night. And after that, you know, we woke up the next day and then I was on a journey of trying to figure out how did I let this demon in? Because if demons are essentially, you know, fallen angels and angels are messengers, what does this mean? And what am I supposed to do? And, you know, I still wasn't willing to surrender my life to Jesus yet, but this got me into looking into all the other religions. Like how do they protect themselves from darkness, from evil? Um, so I don't know if you want to do your reflection and then I can share next, or if you want me to, I have a, I have a question first. Um, yeah. What happened to that guy? Do you know? 
yeah, yeah. I so okay. So what happened was, you know, I go home and I'm petrified. I realize I let the demonic in. So I go to the Mormon church, I'm seeking help. I go to the Catholic church, I'm seeking help. I'm looking on, uh, you know, I'm researching on the internet what all the, you know, what Buddhists, what Hindus, what everybody does to protect themselves from evil spirits. And at that same time, I also knew one Christian, going back to my yoga teacher training, there was one Christian in the whole training. And her name was Tammy. And I reached out to her and I told her what I, what I had just seen. And she was like, please come to church with me. And so, you know, I was like, okay, like I said, I was giving everything else a chance. Why not give Christianity a chance to, why not give Jesus a chance to? So I started going to church with my friend Tammy. And I remember just looking around uh, at the church and seeing these families standing there together. And I was like, I want this and I want him to be with his family. I don't want to tear apart a family. Like this moral compass just came into my heart that I'd never had before where I just, you know, it was the Lord. And I knew I had to let this guy go, but it was, it was so hard. And so I also started going to women's groups and, and freedom classes. And yeah. the more I confessed what happened, the more these women were like pouring into me and telling me, you know, God's not, he's not the God of confusion. He's not going to send a married man into your life. This man may have been sent by something spiritual, but it was not God that sent him to you. And so my next step with this, with this man was abstinence. I was like, okay, so let's take the sin out of our relationship. And as far as I saw, it was just, you know, the sexual sin. So the moment we got abstinent, his true colors began to reveal themselves. Yep. Um, and I began to see, you know, it might've been love for me, but it was just lust for him. And he really was in bondage to that demon. And you know, with me for sex and because of his own sin and his own perversion and, and lust. And, and so the moment I took sex out, this man basically vanished, like out of thin air, this man vanished. And I just knew because at the same time I was praying to God, you know, your will be done. Like, I don't understand any of this. I don't understand what sin even is. I, I started to understand that, you know, sin is taking yourself out of the presence of God. And so this is why God warns not to do certain things in the Bible is because he wants to keep us protected and in his presence. And so I began to understand all of this. And I was like, okay, just take anything out that isn't of you. And as I was praying that, this man vanished too. Wow. So you, he's gone. You don't know what, what happened to him. Well, I told him to go back to his family. Right, yeah. Okay. So I wanted to say like, I wanted to say this because, um, through my own battles and stuff like that, I've got two things to say through my own battles currently, because I'm still, I'm still a fat, uh, fairly rather young, um, rather young practicing Christian, right? I'm not, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm a well-seasoned Christian. I mean, I've been through enough battles to say I'm, I'm seasoned somewhat, but, um, mm-hmm. but I feel like God gave you a vision of what um, the spiritual world looks like um, going on right now, maybe even in this room. He gave you a physical representation of that because uh, I yeah. believe I believe that there's a spiritual war going on all the time, especially for um, people like me and you, because I'm sure you feel the pressure of ministry as well oh, yeah. um, with yeah. what you do. It's a, it's a different beast, that's for sure. Um 
And so I'm sure um, he gave you a phys- a physical, real life, living, breathing representation of what's going on in the spiritual world. And then you said another thing that hit with me was the fact that you were during this moment, you were sitting there wondering, you were just looking for a way out and you thought this guy would pray to Jesus to get rid uh, to stop this crazy stuff from happening. But here's, here's the problem. He knew what he needed to do to get that to stop, but he didn't do it because he had made friends with that beast that you were seeing. Oh yeah. He knew exactly who that beast was. And he didn't call Jesus because he didn't want Jesus to get rid of his friend. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. There you go. And his friend, his beast was friends with my beast. Yeah. Yeah. They were, they were, I was not innocent. You know, I, I had my own demons that attracted his demons. Yeah. Yeah. And so how, so how do you, did, did it take time for you to get rid of um, your demons or was it something that was an instantaneous process? What was the next things that happened? Yeah. So after that, you know, I went home and I was just, I was done. Like I was so just done. I threw away all my, uh, all my books about, you know, being a psychic and Gnostic teachings and astrology. I was like, I don't want none of it. Um, so I I had just trash bags of stuff. Huge. My whole apartment was this stuff, you know? And so I threw it all away and I don't know. I just like went into such a time with the Lord of, because I didn't even know exactly. I hadn't really read the Bible much. So I was like, okay, you tell me what's wrong. Like you tell me what I can't do. You know, I was reading the Bible and gaining that education at the same time, but I knew there was so much I didn't know. And so I'd really just like trusted what he convicted me to get rid of. Um, And I knew what those major things were. So it was like, I just mainly what I did, I don't know if I got rid of all the demons right away, but I closed every open portal that I was actively opening, you know, with, with the drugs, with the drinking, with the sex, the partying, with the, the divination, I just shut down every portal. And then after that, I just started, you know, really crying out and trying to get closer to God and having faith that the closer I got to him and the more his spirit filled me, that these demons would just sort of naturally phase out of my life. Wow. Did yeah. you did you start yeah. attending church anywhere? Yep. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I was in the church three to four days a week because I lived by myself. It was just me and my dog in my apartment because I had left the guy I was engaged to got you know got my own apartment and I was just so shook and there was so much like I was just hungry for God after experiencing that. So I was in the church three to four days a week. I was doing all the groups, like I said, the freedom group, the women's studies. Um, going on Sundays, I started going to the adult children of alcoholics group. Um, you know, I was I was there and I was hungry. Have you? And I uh, knew I needed him. Have you ever since this happened? Have you Have you ever had like a temptation to go back, or even a moment where you're like, "Man, I missed this a little bit." Yeah, that's a very real question. Um, and I will say yes, because it was such a quick 180 for me that I didn't really, like, I just changed right away. It wasn't sort of a gradual process to, you know, emotionally process such a big change all at once. Yeah. So I definitely, I backslid, um, I backslid a little bit when it was maybe six months later, I had an old friend from college move to Arizona. And, you know, all we used to do when we went to college together was 
drink and smoke and go out and club and party. So she moved there and I started doing these things with her a little bit, even though at the start, I was like, I have these firm boundaries like this. I won't do this. Like I'll go out with you, but I won't drink. I won't smoke. Next thing I knew I was drinking here and there. I was smoking here and there. But the difference was this time was that I had the Holy Spirit now. So now I had a conviction that what I was doing was wrong. It wasn't as fun. Um, and yeah. I, it was not fun. All the joy of even doing this thing wasn't even there anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, there's no point in doing it. Cause now I just feel miserable and you know, I'm sad at myself. Yep. And honestly, like the high, like the high I used to get from doing these things, it was gone. Like I wasn't even able to enjoy a high from doing these things anymore. It's like, it's like God took away the pleasure of that to help me um, in getting rid of it for my life. Um, but then it's definitely like, it's still an active battle uh, that I still have to fight. And now I'm married. I, I met a man and, and God is just so good too, because the man that I married, he's never, he's never dabbled in any, um, any drugs, any alcohol, any, anything that I did. And so he, he keeps me, you know, on the straight and narrow because there's definitely been times that I've been like, Oh, like maybe I can, you know, drink wine time to time. And I've sort of walked that out a little bit and gotten to see that, okay, so I can't casually drink wine because this leads to me wanting another and another. And I want to get drunk. Like if I'm drinking, I want to get drunk. And that's what led to a lot of the sexual sin that I used to be involved with. So now I'm very cautious about protecting my triggers. Um, even though, you know, it's not easy and sometimes temptation does still arise. And so I, I do have to just, I'm learning to cry out to God instead of, instead of doing the thing that my flesh is like begging me to do. Instead, I get on my knees and I pray and I cry out to God and I confess to my husband. I'm honest online as much as I can be because I, I find that gives me accountability and a bit of a support system. And, you know, I have my online ministry and I just try to be really real about that stuff too, because it is an active battle. And, and the more that I bring light to it, the less I feel like uh, it has power over me. Was that you that I saw that, that you, you had this um, controver- controversial video or something, wherever um, you tell your husband, if you were attracted to another man or something, was that you that would say that? Uh, yeah. Yes. I had a, I had Lindsay, my ex on my show. And so that was actually her that was saying that, but okay, we were yeah, having now a I know, yeah. about that. Yeah. And where she, uh, your, your co-host that you were interviewing says that she even goes and tells her husband when she's attracted to another man to not, yes. not only keep the honesty in the, um, in the relationship, but it also helps curb, you know, like the Bible verse confess with your mouth and your sins will be forgiven or whatever, but helps it yeah. helps her curb that, um, curb that thing you know or whatever yep yep and my husband and I have the same practice if I have a dream or anything like I I have to tell him and get it out in the air so it doesn't like eat me up uh in the shadows and in the beginning of our relationship like there were even a few times that I you know I cried to him about still feeling pain about that guy that just hurt me so much and like it sucks that my husband has to like go through that but at the same time like he handles me with so much grace and the fact that I'm able to talk to him about it, um, it, it helps me to, to heal. And it, it honestly inspires me to talk about this for, for other young girls to hear so that they know, like, when you're doing these things and, like, one day you get married, you will look that man in his eyes and know that what you did 
it doesn't just affect you. It affects him. It affects your future family. Like this is something you're going to continue to heal from. Like when you get married, it doesn't all just go away. You know, like you have to guard your heart early on. Okay. So if there was one thing that you could tell a young lady or a young man that was um, maybe dabbling in new age, or maybe they're fully in it um, or in that spirituality realm, speaking to the universe and stuff like that. If there's one thing that you could tell them to test their beliefs, um, to show them that Christianity or Christ is the only way, what would you tell them to do? Or would you tell them to pray? Or what is one thing you tell them to do to test what they're believing or test the spirits that they're um, talking to? Yeah, honestly, that's a great question. Um, you know, the first thing that, that comes to mind is just the fact that Jesus really does want to reveal himself to us. He really does want a relationship with us. And so if you're open, like usually people in the new age and open to all these spirits, like you're just desperate for an encounter. You're, you're desperate for an encounter of anything spiritual, godly, heavenly. And so if you, like I knew how open I was, so I would encourage them to be open to experiencing Jesus as well. And just asking him, you know, if you are really who you say you are, if you are really God, let me experience you. Like, give me, give me a sign or something. Um, because he definitely, he did that for me. And I believe that, I believe that he will do that for others too. You know, when you ask and you genuinely have an open heart posture to receiving that experience of him. Right. That's good. Okay. Um, we're at, we're at 125 now. So let's, um, we're going to go ahead and go around the room and let everybody say there, cause these genu- uh, generally last a long time. So we're going to go mm-hmm. around the room and let everybody say their um, say their final say. You don't have anything, okay, Larry? Really, I'm surprised, Angela. <laughs> Angela's the quiet one. First off, I am I, I am thankful that you came on today and that you shared this. And I I tried to get my wife to say something, but she wouldn't. Uh, she's sitting over there listening to what you were saying and was just like nodding her head in yeah, agreement. I can hear every bit of it because uh her battles although not as deep as yours, she had quite a few battles and the control that some of those things we think are innocent. Yeah. They they aren't. You know, alcohol is not innocent. Drugs are not innocent. Smoking is not innocent. None of that. It is, it is all those little kinks in your armor that you, you don't expect to have, um, consequences to your actions that are unworldly, not, not just like, uh, not a lot, not just like, well, smoking causes cancer. No, it's not that it's, it's the doors that it opens up and the control that you're giving to those particular demons. Yes. Yes. I'm, I'm known for reading a verse, uh, at the end of this and I'm going to go back to Ephesians six and, you know, Ephesians six ten. finally be strong in the Lord and in his, in his mighty power, put on the, full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the powers 
of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of the evil in the heavenly realms. Mm -hmm. See, see, we don't think about that so much when we're out there doing it. I didn't think about all the spiritual implications that, that was there. I do have a question. Were you raised in the church by chance? Uh, that's a good question. So my parents, you know, they were of the type that would call themselves Christian, but they were drug addicts and very abusive and neglectful. So uh, I got to see Christianity as something that was very like hypocritical. And I never got to see Jesus actually like, like anybody to strive to live out like how Jesus lived his life. So uh, Christianity was very warped in my head. So they said they were Christians, but they certainly didn't walk it out. Yeah. 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 You know, I've I've heard that one time in somebody saying something. I said, well, I couldn't, I can't do that to you because I'm a Christian. And they literally looked at me and said, aren't we all? Aren't we all? Aren't we all? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I thought, Baptist will what, tell is you your defini- <laughs> what is your definition of being a Christian? Your definition—they yeah. think because they're, I guess, here in America, they're Christian. Mm. You know, I, I didn't ask for a definition on that because it just did not set well with my spirit. Because yeah. we are not all Christians. No, Christian is a relationship with Christ and an action that we take, and people should be able yeah. to see our fruit i.e. we walk out a lot of times our testimony is in our actions and not in our words and i'm a firm believer in that if i say one thing and i'm talking out of the you know i'm if i'm saying one thing and i'm walking in another such as your what you describe your parents as Mm -hmm. you know it doesn't lay the groundwork and unfortunately I can say that I was probably part of that. I was raised in a church, Actually, but I walked away a, from it. And digs then, a hole. The way she, the way she said it, there, it sounds like it, like it probably did more to hurt her relationship with God. Seeing her parents set a bad example like that than it did to help it. You know. Yeah, and I'm sitting here thinking about my kids. What What did they see? Yeah, you know, I believed in God, but they saw me drinking. And I'm drinking. My goodness, I drank with every one of my son-in-laws and every one of my yeah. Uh, my uh daughters you know um yeah i didn't do drugs with them but you know i mean i that was part of what i was at that time i did meth with with my mom when i was 14 wow yeah wow she gave me meth she said i'd rather you do it with me than anybody else so i'm glad Uh, i'm glad my mom my daughter my daughter's like literally six months away from being 14 and it blows my mind that my yep. mom let me do that blows my mind. Yeah. I would literally probably, I don't want to say that, but I'd probably, I would drown someone in a shallow <laughs> pool if they gave my daughter methamphetamine. Well, I mean, I remember going to some of my friends' houses and their moms would let us drink. You know, I was 15, 16 yeah. years old, but the thing was that the minute that we walked in, if we said we were going to drink, this particular lady took our keys away. And yeah. said, okay, but you're spending the night. Let's call your mom and say you're staying home. Great lady. You know, 
Great lady. Okay, we got to keep this thing rolling. We're at one thirty-one. Okay, yeah. so my turn. Um, so thank you for coming on. First of all, by the way, just I, I don't. Our testimonies aren't the same. That's for sure. But like the way we are as humans and our upbringing, um, we're a lot alike. I have a gas pedal, and I have a brake, and that's it. Mm-hmm. That's why yeah. I don't. That's why I don't drink at all anymore. Because if I did, it would be. You know, we gonna stay up. I have a bunch of my friends that's that that's never known me to drink, and I tell mm-hmm. them the stories about how I used to drink and be an alcoholic. My wife's has seen me in my drinking days, but a bunch of my friends now because I've been sober for like um, going on five years, and so um, a lot of them will be like, "Man, you could probably you're a really well put together guy. You wake up at five o'clock in the morning, you work out, you do all this stuff," and I'm like, "Bro, you don't you have no clue." And and then I had yeah. one, I had one guy tell me he was like, "Just drink drink one with me. Just drink one with me. Just drink a couple with me. It's fine." In fact, we're going to Buffalo Wild the same guy. I'm going. I go to Buffalo Wild Wings with him to watch fights. Um, and I just I never drink. And he he's been trying last couple of years. He's been trying to get me to drink with him. And um and I told him last time I told him I said, "Tell you what, I'll have a couple of drinks with you, but if something happens and I go off the rails." I need you, I'm going to need you to be on the phone with me every time I drink until I quit drinking. That means mm. you're going to go out with me every time I drink. We're, we're going to go, you're going to stay out with me the whole time. You know, I'm sure your wife will understand whenever we're up till three or four or five o'clock in the morning in your garage or in my garage, whichever one we pick, we can alternate. Um, but um, all these times that I drink, if something goes bad, I'm going to need you to be there right there with me. And then I've never heard him asked me to drink with him again since then. He kind of, he kind of got, he's like, I don't think I want to take that chance, but I still got my uh-huh. hand. I was like, come on, shake on it, buddy. <laughs> you know, but, uh, but yeah, um, I have a gas pedal and a brake pedal and that's about yeah. it. So I ad- identify with your story. Um, I tried whenever people, I don't know if you've noticed in my clips and on my podcast and stuff like that. Um, I try to keep a pretty, um, mellow face when people, are telling me their stories and when they're telling me what they serve and stuff like that, just because I don't want anybody to think I'm shocked and stuff like that. I'm anxious to see the way I looked in your story because mm-hmm. you kind of blew my hair back a little bit. In that one. I was sitting over here looking at my wife's reaction. Something and She's not on camera, but my wife's reaction was like, oh my goodness. Something tells me I, I don't think I kept a straight face in this one. My eyes are probably pretty big. At least I was like, "Whoa!" Like, and it's because <laughs> I, I um I think your story also helped me a little bit because it helped me see into the spiritual world a little bit too. And I think we can all take um take that because we walk around and we um we go into the world, you know, and we um intermingle with it a lot, right? And yeah. The more we intermingle with it, even as Christians, even if we try to um, remain spiritual, it doesn't matter. You're going to intermingle with the world and you can become complacent. And um, coming up in law enforcement, we had a saying that said um, complacency kills. And I think complacency also kills in the spiritual world. Um, Mm. And that's what we've become, um, including myself. And then hearing your story today reminds me of how vigilant we all have to be because you are literally walking by um, people that are being tormented by evil spirits and that there's spirits that um, are wanting to attach themselves to you and they're, yes. they're out to destroy you constantly and it's constantly going on 
And you um, always have to remain vigilant of that. Not saying that you have to walk around in fear. Um, yeah. You know, you do serve um, the most high, the one that you, you never have to worry about it um, because Christ has always got you and nothing ever will, um, you know, not a hair on your head will be harmed in that regards. But um, I think we do have to remember and not get complacent. And that story helped me with that. So thank you for that. And thank you for coming on. Um, I appreciate it. I'm so excited to finally have you on. So um, thank you. And um, I don't know if you, um, if you ever if just, if you ever want me on your show, I don't know. I think I've pretty much only seen women on there. I don't know if it's just women um, on your show, but if you ever want um, me to come on your show, just, just ask, I'll be there. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. I do mostly have women, but from time to time, if, if there's a good story, I'm, I definitely will have a, a man here and there. So I would, I would love to have you as well. Gotcha. Okay. And the floor is yours. You can, you can say your closing thing. Final thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that you ended about, you know, on the topic of the spiritual war that's going on, because that's what I feel like God had on my heart to share as well was just the fact that when I, when I did begin to see that everything was spiritual, this is what helped me to sort of change my ways. Of course, the number one thing being growing in my relationship with Jesus, but the number two thing being, especially in the face of temptation, seeing that, you know, there's two voices always, like the little angel on one shoulder and the demon on the other shoulder. And so when I would feel temptation to do, you know, to, to live the way I used to live, I began to see, oh no, it's demons that are telling me to do this because they want entry back into my life via this sin. And so, you know, that's something that helps me to, to continue to stay on, on the straight and narrow path and pulling closer to God and learning more about how to hear His voice instead and, and do what His voice is telling me to do because I never want to let demons come in and rule my life again because I saw where that led me and it was destruction and it was pain and it was chaos. Amen. Man, what a powerful testimony. Amen. Um, and again, thank you for coming on and um, stay strong. You ever um, need anything, um, just reach out to me. Okay? Can I share one more verse with her? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. First yeah. Corinthians one eighteen. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those, but to us who are be- being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence mm-hmm. of the intelligent. I will frustrate. Where mm. is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? Mm. Wow. Nice. Wow. Nice. Been a while since I've heard that one. That's for sure. It makes Yeah, that's the mic drop. Well, it kind of goes back to the uh, discussion that we had about, you know, the colleges. Yeah. And even last week's uh, podcast, we kind of touched on that as well. And we in our flesh think that we're wise. But when you go back and read Job and the questions that God put to Job about where were you when I hung the stars? Where were you when I built built the world? Where were you? I mean, it's we have made God because Satan puts it in us. We have made God so small. We cannot see his vastness. Yep. Yeah. Amen. 
Okay, we got to get her out of here. I told her an hour, and I've had her for like hour 20. Well, I so. certainly appreciate it. Okay. Thank you, guys. Thank you, it was great talking to you. Take care. See you soon. Bye. Right, Boom. Man, I just can't believe it that we talked to her. I mean, I really just two days ago or yesterday even was saw one of her clips again. Yeah. And you I see them all the time. You see them because I follow her on Facebook. That's why you saw her stuff. Yeah. Well, she's, she's really cool. I don't follow anybody, but I keep seeing stuff. Well, we, we manage the same Facebook page and I followed her on Facebook. So you see the stuff because I followed her. Okay. Right. You get that now? Yeah. But it, she comes up on my reels too, on my Facebook page. Okay. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I've seen her on there and I'm like, Man, you know, the first couple of times, hey, this is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Okay, hey, this girl knows what she's talking about. Yeah, yeah. You know, kind of like Indy, you know, when I yeah. saw some of the Indies uh, back before we met her. I have a lot of, um, like, non, non, um, okay, how do I say this? Um, I, like, I'm not going to say any names, but, like, I have a lot of friends in the um, Christian influencer realm and stuff like that that aren't as um, spiritual as, as her. You know what I mean? And I knew she was going to be a, a little more on the spiritual side of things, which is, um, which is, that's what I connect better with. And like when she's telling that story, I can just see exactly what God's doing through that. He's like legit letting her see the, li- the reality. Cause we tend to think, we tend to think that the spiritual realm is less real than what we're experiencing when in reality it is more real and more eternal than what we're experiencing here. All this is going to be gone. Everything that you're experiencing right now, everything that you see here in the physical world will be gone. Everything, not a single molecule that you see sitting here, this extension cord, this tablet, um, us, our skin, our fingernails, our bones, bones, everything, every molecule that's circulating here, the air, gravity, all of it is gone. It's going to be gone. It's very finite. You know, but what she saw was infinite and it was not something that we get to see every day, but it's more real than what you're experiencing. And that's why I love hearing stuff like that because God allowed her to see a little bit into the spiritual world to see what's actually happening. That encourages me. One of the things that that brought up in my mind through the movies, you know, I mean, I used to watch a lot of secular movies. I don't really watch much anymore. But the the uh, um, metamorphosis is that the right word? Metamorphosis, where it's shaken like this, and it goes from one form to another. Shapeshifter, I guess, would be another way of saying it. And I I could just see that mental picture as she was describing that in front of my face, and I'm looking at my wife, and she's going, "I've got chills," <laughs> you know. Oh, they, I've like got yeah, chills. me too. I was like, "Whoa!" And yeah. She but, described it so well, too. It was very yeah, well. I'm wondering if, because I, I firmly believe that everything is there for a reason, and I, I think that those particular shows and stuff that we thought were harmless then, um, I'm seeing them as harmful now because they desynthesize us. I, I know I don't say that right because my tongue sticks to my plate, but... Uh, desensitizes us to where we cannot, we, we, it no longer matters to us. Like, like the video games where there's so much death and destruction that a kid today would not be nearly as 
as freaked out if somebody came up and shot somebody in front of him. As my age, when even with the Westerns, if they shot the person, they didn't show the blood and the gore. You know what I mean? The person yeah. died. I don't know. I I don't know. You know, but I I'm, think it I'm probably saying, still rocks. I'm saying with know. all of the the demonology in the movies now, it is so that it can actually come out more so in the physical, and we don't get it because we've been desensitized by Hollywood. Or it's to mysticize it, like oh, this is a mystical thing. When in reality, it's happening all around you. Yes. You know what I mean? Like it's it's like we're, I'm trying to create this mystery when it's not a mystery. It's literally happening, and this thing has warned us for centuries. But that's the thing, and I know I know there's some people on here right now that's listening to us talk about this and rolling our eyes and thinking we're crazy and stuff like this. But um, either we are or we aren't. Either we are crazy, and we're just talking about this stuff when we're spinning our wheels, or what we believe in is more real than what you're seeing here. Yeah. If, it is definitely more real than if what, what they, I believe is true. What if what I believe is true, then you are far more crazy than I am. Mm-hmm. Far more crazy that you are far more crazier than I am. If I be, if I'm believing a lie, you're but far I, more crazy. I do than see I am. that there's a lot of connection between what we got going on and what, well, what we've allowed. Yeah, yeah. That's why I connected so well with her because it. I think it's going to help me um, re-engage in my spiritual my spiritual battle. So you got a little boost? Uh, yeah, yeah. I feel, I feel really good from her. Um, and I mean, and I got a boost from talking to Darcia. Kind of. Um, I I mean, I've always been able to. Here's here's where I got the biggest boost on because I could tell right there, whenever she was sitting there thinking, why is this Christian not reaching out to God? Because she knew that God was going to be the answer. But here's the deal. So did that guy. So did that guy. That guy knew what the answer was too, but he had made friends with that demon. And he didn't want it to go away. It's just like, it's just like um, when I came in and I talked to Darcia and I talked to her about how I'm not conducting myself in a way from a guy that God had delivered him from all these things. I'm not, I'm not acting as, as or so. And she's like, okay, well, what do you think's going on? And I'm like, well, I know what the answer is. So does she. She she was like, well, just do it. I'm like, oh, yeah. That's the thing. Sometimes we as humans, we we know ex- we've always known what we need to do to stop a situation. You just you've made friends uh, with your situation. You've made friends with your demons and you're afraid to let them go. And God's never going to help you. God's never going to bail you out if you don't get rid of your friends first. You've got to get rid of your friends. And then fill it with the the only friend that you need to have. You got to get rid of them and then fill it. But if you're hanging on to your hanging on to your homies, ain't ain't nothing going to change ever. Yeah, that's one of the biggest things I I think um, that God directed me to do correctly uh, when I first came to Him, and my wife had not yet, um, is that I walked away and I allowed God to prune me. From a lot of the stuff that had the influence over me. Yeah. Um, the biker world was gone. The bar scene, gone. You know, I, I couldn't continue that lifestyle. And when I made the decision to be 100% all in for God, I took all that energy that I had for the world and put it in the church and put it in, in my 
uh, relationship with God. And God put me around people like Larry Autry and like Bob Fowler and, you know, a couple of others that I was able to go at, see how to witness out in the world in the right way to where you get that opportunity to talk to people about God. Especially with Larry Autry, huh? Oh, yeah. He goes out there, yeah. Yeah, and, and, it, and it is amazing how that can help you grow when you submit yourself yeah. through submission. You get power. So <laughs> you said a, weird. you said a key word there. Um, you said allow mm-hmm. some pruning. God's going to do without your permission. Yeah, but then there's some there's some pruning that you have to allow him. Mm-hmm. And I'm at one of those crossroads now too. Yeah, so. it, and it it's a difficult process because I don't we don't want to lose our friends. But I knew where I would be if I still had them. Mm-hmm. Maybe dead. Every person that you come across, you either influence them or they influence you. And that's the simple of it. Yep. And I think Pastor Gary actually said that on a Wednesday night. You know, you can see the influence that people have on each other in their actions and what they've changed. Yep. So I, I find that I find that comforting in one way. Because I I do stand guard on what I allow to influence me. Yeah. I, I've allowed you to influence me because without your influence, I wouldn't be behind this microphone. Yeah. In the least bit. That's, Dar- that's part of the reason. Darcy has allowed me to influence her. Yeah. Because the changes in her life are what we had to have happen was I become rigid in my walk with Christ. Yeah. And that makes the biggest difference. Yep. It sure does. Okay. We're at one forty-nine, Um, and we should wrap this thing up now. So, um, it's been, I, lo- I love this episode, man. It was very encouraging. Um, back to the grindstone next week. That'll work for me. So, all right. Say your thing. Jesus loves you. And so do I. Thank you for listening and watching. We love you. We are out. I'll take you home. Thank you so much for listening to the Help My Unbelief podcast. Please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. And more importantly, tune in every Tuesday at 9 a.m. for new episodes.